that's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in, you can't, you can't have me. Mm -hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Minisode, a step closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Now, let's get into today's topic. Hey, everybody. Pastor Michael here. This is segment two on a step closer as we're diving a little deeper on an invitation to intimacy and talking about intimacy within marriage and really trying to be real about some of the things that we face as just human beings and wanting to do things God's way. So I've got April to my right, Pastor Michael, Pastor Shane, and Larie. And we were talking a little bit about the impact of not doing things God's way. And I know we each have a redemption story, but three of the four of us uh, were non-believers when we got married. So, uh, and and of course, you you have a story about even though you were non-believers, you and Jim Lurie, you guys were pure until you were married, correct? I was. <laughs> okay, you were. <laughs> I was. <laughs> let, let me ask you, um, and you, you brought up a little bit uh, on the first segment about some of the bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. Um what would you say to someone who's just listening right now of doing things God's way and having that biblical foundation? And what, what have you learned from that? What would you want to share? Gosh, that's a hard question. Um, just kind of going from uh, not doing it God's way. Um, my husband um, had a, a very rocky childhood uh Divorce after divorce, his parents, I think his dad was married five times, and he saw what not to do. And so I think he was the one that actually decided that we were going to be pure in our relationship. He wanted to marry a virgin. Um, But as far as I'm concerned, I was very independent. My dad was one of these guys, you know, you pull pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Mm -hmm. And so I was very independent. I was probably never submissive to my husband before. (laughs) Uh, I became a Christian. The one thing I will say that um, kind of cemented our intimacy in our relationship um, after, say, 10 years of pretty hard uh, going in the marriage was we invited Jesus into our bed. Mm. And um, at that point, the intimacy was just clean and pure. Mm -hmm. Um, Jim had, had, you know, become a believer as well. And that part of our life, that part of, you know, your sexual life was redeemed at that point. I don't think when we came to Christ, we thought about asking for Mm -hmm. forgiveness for that. What you said might sound strange to someone, but when you invite the Lord into that covenant, he made it right. Right. He's the one who thought it up. He designed our bodies. Right. And he blesses the marriage bed as undefiled, mm-hmm. Hebrews 13, verse 4, yes. I think it is. So God, I, I think we could say it this way, he delights when a married couple becomes one yes. in their marriage. Yes. And when you invite him into that, mm-hmm. then there is a real sense of purity and blessing there. Yes, And it's not just about self 
and, and that's where, really where we want to get to as well is, you know, um, the intimacy in marriage. And there's not a direct parallel, but of course, we know the gospel is pictured in a husband and wife. And we don't want to push it too far, but but we do know that the two become one and the church is the bride of Christ, etc. So I think that's that's a good point that you make. So, April, I'm going to ask you, um, so you said it, it was like eight years into your marriage until you guys became believers. What would you say you learned from those days without the covenant and then after you became Christians? Well, it was definitely a journey in our, our walk together because we actually, we got married because I was pregnant. We actually didn't get married until my son was six months old. So um, I don't want to say it was a forced marriage. I I really loved him and I believe he loved me. But what really was that love? Like, how is it expressed? I found it hard to express my love to him as things got really rocky, as he, you know, we were just becoming 21. He went out with his friends. I was feeling, you know, abandoned or just at home. And I didn't want to be the naggy wife telling him to stay home because I didn't know how to be this wife. So we would go to bed at night and he would be like, hey, babe. And I'd be like, hey, babe, you know, like (laughs) stay away. Like I just wasn't going to give that to him. It was something our intimacy was really that's how I showed my anger, mm-hmm. not in words, but in you can't, you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship being that we never practiced abstinence. And now that we're married, we are. So that is um, <laughs> kind of a forced abstinence. Yeah. In this case. <laughs> yeah. That it was least all done wrong. Right. Like you don't. Well, and I think you're bringing up something important. And we said we were going to be transparent here is that obviously once you get married, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect and it can it can't even be harder. Yeah. And I think marriage experts have talked about the fact that um, once once you say I do, it doesn't resolve all your problems. It it can magnify some issues as well. Mm -hmm. One way that um, things can be unhealthy is that if some if if things aren't right in the relationship in other respects, it can show up in the bedroom, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not unusual. I think uh, what was happening there because you were feeling some other things, and then of course you, you know, uh, I mentioned that in the, the teaching that we did that um, I can't remember his name, but he wrote a book called "Sex Begins in the Kitchen," <laughs> and his argument was basically if your relationship is healthy in other respects it will lead into a healthy, intimate life. But if you expect that everything's out of whack, your communication, you know, you're, you're not talking, you're not friends, but then you want everything just to be automatic in the bedroom. Let's fix it in the bedroom. Yeah, it's just <laughs> probably not going to work. So um, let me just say this as far as it relates to Brenda and I. Um, because we were non-Christians and we did things the wrong way, the same thing. And I think... What brought restoration in our case was learning God's truth. And some truth was really hard to hear at the beginning. I, I remember there were times we were driving in the car and we would hear preaching. And we, it was a little tough for both of us to hear. 
but it was God's truth nonetheless. So this was after you became Christians. This was after we became Christians and we were hearing truth. And, you know, you start to amend your life to yeah. truth that you didn't know before. It's like, well, I was just ignorant of that. Or, or if I did know it, I never paid attention to it. So after um, you started sitting under the truth of God and stuff, did you did you find some redemption and restoration there? Absolutely. So it was great because um, it started with my husband coming to me and saying, I have not been the husband that I needed to be for mm-hmm. you. And that opened up the conversation of, well, what does that even look like? And we just started asking questions or mm-hmm. going to marriage groups or you know, reading in the word. Um, and we both just made that commitment to each other to communicate. I had a hard time con- communicating what I was going through. He doesn't even know half the time um, what I was upset about or even that I was upset because it was very closed off. And um, that showed in our intimacy because I would just close myself off. Um, but once we started having those conversations and even someone said, pray, pray about your intimacy because mm-hmm. it was really struggling and I didn't know how to get that back. There was also baggage, not just because I was mad at my husband, but it came from, you know, baggage in, in my past that I suppressed so much. Um, so we did, we started to pray about it together and, um, we got some help that we needed with that. So you're bringing out something that I think is important. And that is that we bring a lot of baggage into the bedroom and there's a lot of sexual brokenness in people because we're in a fallen, broken world. And this area of sex uh, gets so, you know, they sell everything with sex, the, the, the hookup culture and all this stuff that I know, you know, your generation is experiencing more and more of the swipe right stuff and all that stuff. Um, it robs us often of the sanctity and the beauty of that covenant because it gets taken out of its proper place. Pastor Shane, you had said in one of your messages, you'd use the analogy of a, a garden, which I know uh, we've heard before. And when sexual intimacy is taken out of its proper place, it becomes dirty. Right. And that's really what has happened. Um, what would you say to round out this segment in terms of, okay, you and Natalie did things I think the biblical way, we would say the right way, which is great. Um, what would you say, maybe to close out the segment, because maybe there are part of our listening family, yeah, they waited, and but maybe it's still not easy for them. Is there anything you'd want to share as we close this first part? Um, yeah. I, the second part. I, say. Um, I think something you said a minute ago is true. Um, you know, it's been said, uh, if you become a millionaire, your money habits that you had previously will just be dramatized or magnified. Um, I think the same thing is true with your marriage. Uh, the habits that you have prior to your marriage are just magnified and intensified once you're married. I think there's a lot of misconceptions, especially amongst young Christian men and women, uh, that if I have a pornography addiction, well, once I'm married, since I can have sex with my wife, uh, that'll go away. Um, or, and there's a lot of misconceptions too about pornography addictions. Uh, there's also lots of women addicted to pornography. 
And so a woman says, well, once I'm married to my husband and we have regular sex, then I won't look at porn anymore. Um, which is just not true. Uh, we've found that to be true in marriage counseling over the years. We've found that to be true in people we're discipling and relationships we have is just that that doesn't go away. And I think that that's true of a lot of our tendencies. When we get married, we think, well, once I'm married, I won't do that anymore. Um, so I think it's a major issue of working things out before you enter into that covenant before the Lord, which is why premarital counseling is important mm -hmm. and um, knowing your spouse well before you get married. There's just so much in you know this culture right now and specifically in my generation that and and the next generation that I just see so such an unhealthy approach to these things. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of submission for a wife is something that gosh if you bring that up with most most women in general but especially with my generation as a millennial and the Gen Zers that follow um, the idea of a woman submitting to her husband and letting her husband be the head of a household is like something that will make people's skin crawl. Mm -hmm. It's like they can't even fathom that thought. So, and that's because they don't understand it in its biblical context. And uh, this is this is why I think what you said is important that premarital should be required, right? And at least one of the sessions needs to be on intimacy. And even though it might be tough for some people to talk about, this is when. Um, I've noticed in some of the counseling that I've done is that some of those hurts potentially can come out. Mm -hmm. and, and look, they say one in three women have been abused. I think that's the, the mm -hmm. statistic. Uh, there's a lot of baggage, including abuse, including, you know, we, we did things not God's way. And now, and now we're not going to just have a magic pill and it's all going to be fixed. But if it can be addressed honestly with a biblical lens we can understand roles of men and women. We can understand what God says about intimacy. Why does God say to wait until you get married mm -hmm. to have a sexual relationship? Because it's blessed inside the covenant, not right. prior to. And that's where the analogy of the garden comes in. And if you've not heard it, it's the idea that you need rich, you know, dark, uh, nutrient-dense soil for a garden to be healthy. And it's a beautiful thing in that context. But if I took that soil if i took a bucket full of that soil and uh scooped it up and then dumped it on my grandma's nice white rug in her living room it's not so beautiful anymore in <laughs> fact it's it's quite troublesome and causes problems and makes a mess and um so sex is that same way that it is beautiful in the context that in which god intended it to be uh which is in the context of a marriage between one man and one woman which is also an extremely unpopular stance <laughs> in our current culture. Yes. Um, and when it's taken outside of that, and, you know, frankly, I tell people, if you don't believe me, um, just look at it, it. Maybe you've been, you know, by the grace of God, able to stay pure. Uh, look at the people around you and look at the, the trauma in their life and the things, the pieces that they're still trying to pick up from the past relationships mm -hmm. they've had. And so this is something that needs to be addressed more by the church. The church in many ways, I think has shrunk back to be yes. frank mm -hmm. and not address these things. And so, and generally speaking, Shane, I would say to close the segment, when we don't do things God's way, and it can apply to much, many other subjects, right? Mm -hmm. But this, this one in particular, that we're talking about when we don't do it God's way, there's always a price to pay. Mm 
Yep. And when we do it God's way, there's always a blessing to receive. Mm-hmm. And so uh, let's let's end this segment two as we are looking at the Song of Solomon and having a conversation really that we hope and pray is helping you. I think it's helping us as we <laughs> talk a little bit. So we'll be back next time for another segment right here on A Step Closer. Walking Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Our Walking Truth partners contribute to the ins and outs of this program broadcasting on radio stations around the country and with the podcast around the world. Our hope is that Walking Truth is helpful to you as you learn about Jesus or in your walk with Him and that it reaches more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a Walking Truth partner of at least $10 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you access to more content from Pastor Michael. You will have quick access to our daily episodes and much more. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons, access to the rest of this podcast series of A Step Closer, which also now has video. There is so much more available for you. Just visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click donate. Thanks for listening to A Step Closer. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also let us know a topic or question you'd like us to answer and discuss. Again, email us at contact at walkintruth.com.